Welcome in Farzine Vesugan here for another episode of Farzcast. Hope you guys are doing well. As we are getting closer and closer to November. All right, man, I, I was just on vacation four weeks ago. And when I was on vacation, it was end of September, early October, and it's already November now. Almost November. Crazy, crazy. But nonetheless, here we are. Uh, 2021 flying by. Uh, just felt like 2020 was a long year or a quick year can't really decide which one it was and 2021 even quicker for me at least i don't know but we're here we're alive we're doing well uh hope you guys are doing well a lot to talk about here on this episode of farce cast a lot i want to get off my chest what in the hell is wrong with my kansas city chiefs holy shit man um this is team this team is brutal uh i want to get into that talk about that also, there's been a lot of talk lately about the Chiefs and their off-the-field distractions. The biggest one that's being talked about, the two biggest ones, uh, Patrick Mahomes and his personal life and his family, and then Andy Reid's uh, situation with his son. That People have been very careful with that subject. People have been avoiding that lately, but it's been talked about a lot lately, and I don't, I don't have so much of a strong opinion about that, but I kind of want to respond to the people discussing this because a lot of people are upset that this is being brought up, and I think it's okay to discuss. I'll explain why later on. Uh, Tom Brady hooked up a fan with a very nice reward for that 600th uh, touchdown football that he uh, achieved this past Sunday. And also, I had a, an exchange since I last have done this podcast uh, with Jason Brown. Jason Brown and I have always been cool. Uh, he's the uh, coach that was featured on Last Chance U, formerly at uh, Independence. Uh, but he and I, well, not really me. He kind of got vulgar and angry, uh, talk, basically saying fans should not talk about sports. Uh can't criticize. I don't want to make this subject so much about me. If you have, if you follow me on social media, you probably saw what was said already. And I don't want to make it about me. I actually want to respond to what he's talking about. Cause I think that is something I do take issue with. Uh, Cause you guys are all listening to this. You guys all talk sports, whether it's with your friends, social media, wherever. Uh, so I want to get into that. Uh, but nonetheless uh, here to jo- talk about all of these with me for the next hour or so Zach Senga, you guys know who Zach is. Uh, he's out there. He did the chief stone with me the final year I did it. He's out there on social media talking about all kinds of things. Zach, what's going on, man? Oh, you know, just living the dream here on a Tuesday afternoon or evening, I guess. Um, but, you know, just genuinely shocked by the fact that, you know, this is the state we find our chiefs in. That's for damn sure. Yeah. My God. And let's just get into that. I mean, look, uh, if in July I called you up, I said, Zach, What's up, man? Uh, hope you had a great 4th of July. By the way, the Chiefs, seven games in, are going to be three and four. They're going to have a top five uh, offense when it comes to moving the chains, getting first downs, and getting total yards. Also top ten in scoring. But they're going to lead the league in turnovers, and they're going to be last place in the AFC West. What would you have said? <laughs> Is exactly what I would have said. Like, all right, that's cute. Yeah, the defense being bottom tier, like, yeah. Well, actually, no, honestly, in July, I thought some of the moves we made in the offseason, namely Jaron Reed, which we'll harp on him in a minute. Yeah. Um, you know, I really thought that some of those moves were going to pay off. Like, I didn't think the Chiefs were going to be a top five defense. Let's not get crazy here. But, you know, I think the two things that would have shocked me the most there would be the last place in the AFC West and the turnovers. Like, 
that up until this year has not really been a major factor for the Chiefs. They've actually been quite good at taking care of the football. And I don't know if this is just a really rough stretch or, you know, if this is us now, I don't think it's the latter, but it, I mean, it feels like, you know, we're not out of the woods yet either. Well, see, I, I just hear the, your, the inflection of your voice. Like you're not saying that with great confidence. And the thing is, no, it's like, not a bit. I, I'm, I'm over here thinking, you know, people have been asking me, uh, I do my live streams. Uh, I do the Red Friday live stream and then uh, at halftime and after the game. And you've done that with me in the past before. Yep. You know, I'm just kind of people are asking, are we still going to make the playoffs? I'm like, what thought do you even give the playoffs? Let me say something. I thought the Chiefs were going to lose to the Titans. My score prediction was 34-28. And you're a fantasy football guy, aren't you? Yep. Okay, I'm not. Um, I've, I've talked about that story for another time. But here's what I will say. I uh, I was paying attention to ESPN's uh, fantasy rankings during their pregame show. Mm-hmm. And... They had Patrick Mahomes as the number one projected quarterback for Sunday. Derrick Henry, number one projected running back for Sunday. Travis Kelsey, number one tight end. Tyree killed the number three receiver. And I thought, hey, and look, I mean, we all expected this to be some big offensive showdown. But here's what's frustrating. Not only did you get your ass kicked in this game, 27 to three, the best player on Tennessee's team didn't do jack shit. Derrick Henry was kept in check. And I heard Chiefs fans say all week long, oh, we did it to him last time. We'll do it again. It's like, yeah, but that was almost two years ago. Okay, sure. Maybe that part aged well, but that's actually worse considering the final score. Like Derrick Henry, all he did in this game was get a couple runs for nine or 10 yards and had that nice uh- touchdown pass. That's I was going to say, he, he also threw more touchdowns than Patrick did. He so threw more touchdowns than Patrick. Yeah, like, this is extremely discouraging to as, as a Chiefs fan. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong. There have been a lot of games so far this year that have had me scratching my head like, what the hell are we doing? What's wrong with us? Um, you know, just mental errors, it feels like. Yeah, that's been the one common denominator here. Um, and well, that plus Mahomes trying to maybe do a little too much and yeah, yeah. resulting in interceptions, whether it's tip balls or, you know, trying to thread a needle that he maybe doesn't need to be threading, uh, whatever it is like that has been a common refrain this year. And, you know, I think that was the part of this that was most discouraging this week is that, you know, against and mind you this was against a Tennessee Titans defense that their secondary was ravaged with injuries you know they did not you know I think they were missing their starting safety in one of their starting corners um and they weren't that great at stopping the pass to begin with like there's a reason for all those fantasy rankings that you said and that's because let's be honest the Chiefs historically have been a pretty poor rush defense uh and the Titans had been a pretty poor pass defense and it looked like you know it was going to be an interesting uh you know strength versus strength or I guess you know offensive strength versus defensive weakness on both sides of the ball. And we figured it was going to be a shootout as a result, but only one offense chose to show up. And ironically, it wasn't even the, you know, venerated Derrick Henry, who's an absolute stud. Um, I think that part of the reason we did keep him in check is that we saw some really encouraging signs. You know, the arguably the only encouraging sign I'd say out of Sunday was Nick Bolton hits like a bus. And that was a pretty good counter to one Derrick Henry. Um, Yeah. with the way that the defense was structured selling out to stop Henry, what did they do? 
they left it open over the top and boy did Tannehill and friends eat yeah so, and look I don't know if that was one of those things where it's like the Chiefs focus so much on on Derrick Henry and maybe from a coaching perspective by the way I love Mike Rabel's uh, as a coach, man. Like I, when he came to Kansas City, it, that was part of the Matt Castle trade. I was mm-hmm. actually way more excited about Rabel than I was Castle. Like, I mean, Castle, I wasn't sold on so much because it's like, okay, he has all these br- weapons that Brady had. I mean, come on. Like, he, uh, look at Matt Moore. Like, even he was able to find some success because he had Travis Kelsey and, and Tyreek Hill when he filled in for Mahomes. But I digress. Um the, the, the point I'm trying to make here is I, I think Vrabel just really, I mean, they, he showed his IQ in this one. I think he said, look, this team is going to focus on stopping the run because that's what they need to improve on. Well, let's mm-hmm. find a way to surprise them. And I tweeted during the game. I'm like, they're passing the football. They're not, they're not sticking to their strengths and exploiting Kansas city's biggest glaring weakness. And it's working like, that is extremely frustrating. And look, I don't I know what it that's is. That's a novel concept, though, because frankly, you know, that's one of the things that I could see fix the Chiefs well, is doing the exact opposite of that. Because realistically, if you look at this, like I've been thinking about this all week, like, well, I guess since Sunday. So it's really only two days, but whatever. Uh, I firmly believe that if you paired Patrick Mahomes and Derrick Henry, you have easily the most unstoppable oh. offense in football. And it's not close. Because right now, why are they successful at stopping Mahomes? There's nobody in the box. They're all selling out to keep Patrick from beating them over the top. In that scenario, Derrick Henry's like, cool, I'm going to eat. And that's how it's going to be. You sell out to stop Henry from, you know, crushing you in the box. Well, great. Mahomes is going to kill you over the top. You know, the Chiefs need to bring in someone like Henry, in my opinion. And we need to take advantage of the fact that the defense is giving us things underneath. Anyway, that's my soapbox. I'll yeah, stop. I mean, look, it's frustrating. Uh, and, you know, my, my parents, they're not like the – they don't follow football so closely. They're more casual. I mean, they know of Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. He's obviously a little recognizable, especially with the uh, with the hair and all. And I was just kind of explaining to them, like, this guy is – like, if you want to explain to a casual football fan who maybe only follows their team closely, uh, I, I described him to my parents. I go, this guy is – Priest Holmes, Larry Johnson, Kareem Hunt, like uh, Marcus, uh, Marcus Allen, Mike Garrett, Joe Delaney, Christian Okoye, like all those things mixed together as one. My friend uh, Brett Fitz, Fitzgerald, uh, he runs mm-hmm. Savage Sports Memes. He had a funny meme and he goes, um, the the ideal running back exists. Uh, yeah, have you seen those memes where it's like, where oh, it's best- like, yeah. Patrick Mahomes' arm, Peyton Manning's IQ, exactly, yeah, feet, that sort of thing, yeah, yeah, that thing. And then he just puts a picture of Derrick Henry. He's like Derrick Henry's vision, Derrick Henry's speed, Derrick Henry's hands, like all these things. It's like, yes, this guy, in my opinion, he is the most talented running back in NFL history. Statistically, not the best. Um, I mean, obviously, there's a long way. It's uh, it's so hard. Barry Sanders and Jim Brown would like a word, but no, no, no. Here's the thing, like. To be statistically the best running back, it's so hard to do in the NFL. I don't think that's ever going to happen. But I think in terms of overall talent, he has it. I really do think he does. Uh, but but again, it's like Tennessee did not use their biggest weakness against Kansas City's uh, – or excuse me, their biggest strength against Kansas City's biggest weakness. And, and you know, I'm just listening to – I know you listen to a lot of local radio uh, and some podcasts, as, uh, as do I – I don't like local radio too much, but I have been listening a lot to a lot of it this week. 
man, it's just uh, the narrative has really changed. It's, it, it, like this, I don't know how how you would say, and I think I texted you this. This team is unrecognizable. This is not the Chiefs yeah. that I'm used to seeing kick ass the last three years. Well, and the thing is that, you know, I, I think that we're all kind of collectively like equal parts shocked and at a bit of a loss because it's not like, you know, in, in weeks past, you know, we did the, uh, you know, I think we did like a live stream or something a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, it was very clear, you know, one of the glaring things that we saw was like, cool, Dan Sorensen's ass needs to probably be sitting down. Let's put Juan <laughs> Thornhill in there. We made that switch and we thought things were going well. But ultimately, I think that the biggest struggle here is that if you really look at the roster and compare it against the one that won a Super Bowl, there's a lot of overlap and there's not a lot of explanation as to why the team is doing so, so poorly as a result. Um, you know, this is a team that we've seen with a bunch of guys that we've seen be very successful and it's just surprising. And, you know, there's no clear answer as to why. Like, you know, frankly, I think that to back to your question earlier about, you know, all right, if back in July, if you told me that we'd be where we are today, at least from an offensive perspective, I'd be like, okay, cool. Mahomes got hurt. Bummer. But yeah. that's that. And nope, he didn't get hurt. It's just normal Patrick, except it's not normal Patrick at all. Yeah, I mean, and Rich Gannon, he he goes, even Mahomes is, is not like Mahomes. You know, here's no. another way to, to even, like the question I asked you, what if there's someone who's never watched pro football before and you, this is their first year watching and you tell them who's good, right? You say, Hey, uh, the chiefs, they're this, they've been this most dominant team, most dynamic offense the past three years. Well, that new fan, he's going to watch us and be like, this is the most dynamic offense the past three years. And they've kept a lot of their core guys and supposedly improved their offensive line, which some good, some bad there, but I think the bad, is overshadowing the good with this offensive line right now and specifically Orlando Brown. But the the whole thing, it's like, man, this chiefs offense, like Mahomes, what's with the underthrown passes, the even some overthrown ones. And look, I, I, there are tipped passes. Yes. Whoever right now, he co-leads the NFL in interceptions, whoever has a high number of interceptions, some of them are going to be tipped. That, that's just the way it's going to yeah. work. And, and listen, if you have a high number of touchdowns, odds are there's probably a couple where um, a player should have intercepted it, but it just slipped through and went to the uh, pass totally. catcher's hand. So that happens too. But man, that's just not been the case this year. It, it's really been rough on Mahomes uh, for some reason. Well, and I think the other part is I think he's been pressing a little bit. I think he's been trying to do a little too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, just, for better or worse, you know, when you're the best player in the league um, and, you know, I'd contend that he's certainly still one of them, even if he is having his struggles, like, you know, let's be honest, if we were to line up, you know, all 32 NFL GMs and say, all right, fantasy draft time, who do you want for the next, you know, 10 plus years? Most of them are still picking Mahomes number one overall. Like, Jason Reed sure said still a thing. Jason Reed said something very similar this week. Yeah. Like, I think that, you know, do I think that his problems are going to be this way all the time? I do not. By the same token, we do need to address them. I think that, you know, I understand your comment there about the O-line, but I would also argue that really part of the problem there is that Patrick gets happy feet a little bit. Like, there were a couple of times on Sunday where Mahomes ran himself into a pressure because, you know, he got the happy feet, didn't want to just step up into the pocket, and all of a sudden, you know, he's dropping back 10 yards and Orlando Brown's trying to flush somebody seven. You know, it's just – yeah. 
yeah, it, it didn't quite work. Or there's a massive lane that he could have cut through and he chose to go the opposite direction. And there's just a, you know, there've been a lot of those sorts of things that, and on both sides of the ball, really, that just have me questioning, you know, what, what's wrong? Like, I feel like it's all between the ears at this point. Cause there's, again, there's too many of the players that we've seen be incredibly successful in years past. Um, you know, they've, same coordinators, same coaches, what have you, you know, pretty much the same all across the board. Um, and at least on the offensive side of the ball, if you look at the major changes that happened in the offseason, you know, you've revamped your offensive line. I would argue that you know, you've upgraded certainly at the center position and at the right guard position. Right tackle, maybe not so much because Mitchell Schwartz was a stud. Um, and left yeah. tackle is probably a wash, maybe a little bit of a downgrade. But, um, you know, obviously Eric Fisher would still be here had he not blown an Achilles. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, not an ideal situation, but, you know, I think they did the best with the best they could with what they had. The other major downgrade we've had is wide receiver, too. You know, Sammy Watkins down to McCole Hardman's a bit of a drop off, to say the least. Um, I had high expectations from him, too. Oh, totally. But the other part is, is that, you know, Sammy Watkins, Say what you want about the guy. Yes, he was fragile. He got hurt a lot, but that man had fly paper for hands. Oh, yeah. Like he did not drop the ball very much at all. No. And, you know, that sort of a possession guy, you know, I think right now is something that's also severely lacking in the Chiefs offense. I think that this year, you know, with the way the defenses are playing the Chiefs, if Sammy Watkins was still on the Chiefs right now, I think he'd be leading the team in receptions. Note, I said receptions, not yards. I think he'd be leading the team in receptions because that's what they're leaving open is the underneath stuff. I mean, you know, it's rough when Chiefs fans were saying, yeah, they're making fun of Sammy Watkins because he because of his uh, lack of availability. And now a lot of these people and are his saying, belief in lizard people, oh, his belief in what lizard people. You know how Kyrie is a flat earther. Sammy Watkins believes in lizard. People. Oh, I not did not. I, no, Too okay. stupid to make up. I was never aware of that. Yep. Um, but um a lot of people are now saying, I miss Sammy Watkins. Like, wow, these people wanted him out. Now they miss him. And look, I, I know we're all prisoner of the moment sometimes. Like when the Chiefs lost the AFC Championship game to the Patriots, a lot of people were like, oh, if we kept Kareem Hunt, uh, this wouldn't have happened. It's like, first of all, Damian Williams, he balled out that game. Second of all, he was on the commissioner's exempt list, so he would not have been available anyway. I totally I mean, hear you there. By the same token, I would also argue that had we kept Kareem Hunt, uh, right now, if we had Kareem Hunt, Hunt, Kareem Hunt on the roster, we would not have some of the problems we're having. Oh, That's no, I agree. I do agree. Yeah, I mean, like that, that Clyde Edwards. Obviously, I get why. I get why we cut him. I yeah. totally understand. No, We've had 100%. that discussion on prior podcasts, but that would be a solution to a problem. Yeah, I mean, look, and you even want to take it a step further. I know we're getting too hypothetical here, but that Clyde Edwards Alaire pick could have been something else. Who knows what? But plenty uh, of other things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Maybe here's my thing. Um, you had that too, remember? Um, All right, you got me there. Fair point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look. I mean, listen. Things happen. Uh, I understand they did what they had to do. Um, but in terms of, and here's the other thing too. And we'll move on after this in terms of the future. Look, I mean, they have to beat the Giants. Like if you if you don't win that game, holy shit. I think I might actually stay up a couple hours that night just to read the reactions online because I know it's going to be kind of funny and comical at times. I mean, listen, look, people haven't already hit the panic button. And I would argue that a great many of them definitely have. 
Oh yes, a lot, um, a lot of have. The, the remaining holdouts, myself included. If we lose to the freaking Giants next week, yeah, panic buttons all around. Like oh, lost yeah. season, whatever. Tank for two. Uh, yeah, I, I guess uh, you know, tank for, tank for two. That's not the right <laughs> one. Obviously, like yeah, we need a. Well, we need a lot of things, but yeah, yeah, tanking for that top pick would have been. Um, uh, I mean, look, yeah. the people who are. Listen, I've seen Chiefs fans go at it this week. The people who are shaming others, oh, you're not a true Chiefs fan. You should not be criticizing our team. Like, even those people are going to back off if the Chiefs lose. They're not going to lose. And if they do, holy shit. Um, here's my bigger concern. If they and I, do, it's time to bench Mahomes for the rest of the year. I, sign oh. some young pup to play quarterback for a little bit. Do well with him. Uh, you know, Have him put up some numbers. Uh, this is, in case you're wondering, this is my in case Mahomes ever gets hurt, break glass scenario too. You bring in someone young uh, that you can kind of showcase a little bit. You know, someone who's been a you know higher draft pick for someone else. Uh, Cam Newton. And, you know, not the example. But bad, bad analogy here. Wouldn't work. <laughs> His shoulders are broke and he can't throw the ball anymore. So I feel bad for the guy in that case, but still. Um, but, you know, someone like a, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a decent example and I'm coming up a little blank. You know, Josh Rosen had historically been the example that I'd use, but not a great one. Um, I'll come up with something. But, you know, one of those higher draft picks that hasn't quite worked out wherever he's landed. Um, you know, the way that Reed did with Kevin Cobb, you know, when Michael Vick got hurt, that sort of a thing is what I was alluding to there. Well, well um, here, here's the thing. That's draft capital right there. The, the Chiefs' future, it's a concern right now, the near future, that is, because and I don't know what it was. Somebody, I can't remember who, someone from, I want to say CBS Sports, said the Chiefs have uh, the second hardest schedule for the remainder of the year. Uh, the Giants, you should win that game. And listen, if the Chiefs barely win that, I can see a lot of people still complaining in, in response to that. Um, but after that, you have the Packers at home. You go visit the Raiders for Sunday night football, and then you come back home to play the Cowboys. Uh, and I know the Raiders have played a lot better than a lot of us expected, but my goodness, that is a brutal three-game stretch before your bye week. And That's like a one-and-two stretch if we're really – like based on what we've seen so far this year. Don't get me wrong. The Chiefs could – the Chiefs absolutely have the talent to rip 4-0 through that stretch and shut all of us up. And that, I that's true. God that they do. Now, that said, I'm not betting on that unless the odds are really like, you know, if I can get a real good value on that, I might put that bet down. But still, you get my point here. Like, you know, yeah, as it stands right now, that three game stretch is a one and two stretch. Yeah. You, and that's hoping that you beat the Raiders. You, that's hoping that the Cowboys don't absolutely house you. Uh, same goes for the Packers. Yeah, that's that's two of the better passing offenses in the NFL. And in case you're wondering, our pass rush is shit. Oh, it's um, bad. It's, it's bad. incredibly it's overpaid bad. shit, but it's shit. Look, uh, I, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to make of the defense of uh, Frank Clark. Okay. You and I talked about this recently. Like he got off to a slow start and then he later revealed, well, he, it was a neck injury that he was playing through. It's like, okay, all right, fine. But what's the excuse now? Are you playing through another injury or are you just not picking it up? Um, I know he's going through a lot right now, uh, which we'll get into a little later, but Chris Jones, look, I was never a fan of this move with Chris Jones. Um, everyone was all like, Oh my God, Chris Jones, the defensive end. Oh, that's so cool. 
what's so cool about it? He's doing just fine as an interior defensive lineman his entire career as a 3-4 defensive end or as a 4-3 defensive tackle. Like, I don't know why we're fixing something that isn't broken. Um, I've never not, understood not that to begin with. not broken, it's fucking elite. Uh, yeah. Like, He's the reason one why. More, there was one player in the entire league that was more disruptive on the interior than Chris Jones, and that's Aaron Donald, who is, yeah. you know, a Hall of Fame caliber player. Like, sorry, I, I'll never be mad at Chris Jones for not being better than Aaron Donald because number two is number two. A that lot position of people would like to be better than Aaron Donald, and they aren't. <laughs> um, Look, but, Chris Jones you know, is the reason you were able to surge in that Super Bowl. Like, if he doesn't make those defensive stops or those pass deflections or pass rushes, mm-hmm. you don't win that Super Bowl. In my opinion, he was the MVP. Topic for another time. But even like he's bad. But is it on him or is it what the coaches are doing with him? Um, I think it's a little of both in some ways. Like I, I do think that, you know, he hasn't looked particularly healthy. Um, and yeah, don't get me wrong. Injuries are you know, obviously part of the game. Yeah. He's playing um, with him. Yeah. Yeah. And like so yeah, a wrist, something with a wrist. A, a wrist injury is certainly not a fun thing to have as a lineman. It's not a fun thing to have period, but as a lineman, like that's a pretty core leverage point that you really would rather have not be hurt. Um, you know, I definitely would not advocate for rushing him back on that, but I digress. Uh, the biggest thing though, is that, you know, look, the rushing from the interior and rushing from the end are two different things. Um, you know, anybody who's ever played defensive line, will tell you that one of the key things that you're supposed to do as a defensive end. And this was one of the things that actually Justin Houston in recent memory was one of the absolute best at, um, in chiefs history is set the edge. You know, you set the edge and you be a force there in the run game and you make sure that stuff doesn't get outside of you. Um, never mind, obviously, being able to rush the passer and all of that. But it's just a different set of skills. And I feel like when you're busy thinking about all of those things, you're not playing fast. Um, you know, you're busy playing not to make a mistake. You're not just you know, playing free the way that we see him do routinely on the interior. And the part that I don't get is why he and his camp are advocating, you know, advocated for this move like this wasn't Veach's idea um you know this was Jones and Friends's idea at least as I've understood it maybe I'm off base oh I did not know that someone can blow me up in the comments that's fine uh (laughs) but in any event like I I don't understand why you'd want to be promoted from your absolute sweet spot and it's not even necessarily a promotion that's not even the right word you know but you take something that's running you know incredibly incredibly well put it to a place where it goes you know, just to being pretty average pretty quick. And all of a sudden, you know, guess what? We don't have any elite pieces in our defense anymore. I guess yeah. Tyron Matthew, but beyond that, like. Even he's been not good. Like, listen, I love. Well, the you only have one elite player. piece. You can scheme them out of things. So, you I know, suppose. Matthew could be playing at the same level that he's been at before. Uh, and when there's enough other holes to pick on, like, it doesn't matter how good. Like, you know, imagine, you know, Daryl or Darrell Rivas, you know, across from Dan Sorensen, right? You know, it doesn't matter that Rivas Island is a thing. That defense, no, that's that's a valid point. Promise. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a little bit of a similarity here, even if you know, again, I haven't watched Matthew close enough. There have been enough other glaring issues to focus on. Um, but I, I don't think Matthew's the problem. Is I guess what I'm getting at here. Um, my real question though is just. If you look at how much money we have invested, when you look at just your know, future, yeah, I'm looking towards the future here. Obviously, we've got plenty of money invested in Chris Jones, Frank Clark, the way his contract is structured, 
it's almost a foregone conclusion that he's gone next year. But my real question there is that when you look at where the money's been invested on this defense, is it wrong to question Brett Veach a little bit? No, it's, it's actually valid. Look, here's, here's the problem. When they gave up all of that draft capital for Frank Clark, I mean, you just, you, you knew he, an extension was coming, maybe not as soon. I mean, it happened pretty quickly. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, you already have a really good defensive lineman. Like, why? What's going on here? And Chris Jones, word was from some reporters at that time, it's like, this guy wants the kind of deal Frank Clark just got. And l- listen, for Frank Clark's, or excuse me, uh, Chris Jones's sake, Man, he benefited from that because he had that mm-hmm. big Super Bowl that I just mentioned. It kind of reminds you of Eric Berry and Justin Houston when um, I almost said Scott Pioli, when John Dorsey waited too long to re-sign those guys. Um, mm-hmm. That really went in his favor. Yeah, you're what? Do, do we have like a fourth of our salary cap at defensive line? That's not how it should be. That's pretty bad. I mean, it's somewhere, it's not far from that, sadly, because you throw in Jaron Reed into that mix, too, which, like, frankly, I thought that was going to be a stud signing. I thought that, you know, you put Jones on the outside, Frank Clark on the other side, and then Reed in the middle. You know, obviously, then you have the fourth, irrespective of who it is, Naughty, Saunders, Warden, doesn't matter. Um, You know, that's three absolute stud guys, you know, at least two of which deserve double teams, generally speaking. and by my count, you know, five offensive linemen. That makes a one-on-one matchup easy for somebody to win. And I thought Jaron Reed was going to be the beneficiary of that. However, I've been very wrong up to this point. Yeah. Like, he's been a complete non-factor. But, you know, back to your question, though, about you know, what we gave up with Frank Clark there. Mike, the thing I've been wrestling with a lot of late is the question of, okay, so we invested all of, you know, you, know, you look at the first-round pick, and I think a second the year later, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, from a production standpoint alone, I struggle to believe that we wouldn't have gotten more value out of those two picks. I mean, you're not wrong. I know a lot of people are going to say, well, Frank Clark, he, he came alive in the playoffs. It's like, yeah, I know there's yeah. so much talk about, you know, hey, we had a 55 that actually came through in the AFC championship game. It's like, yeah, but his sacks, don't get me wrong, they were great and it helped seal the game, but it wasn't like, it's not like he sealed the game when it was, you know, it, it wasn't like, you know, a seven point game on fourth down. It's like, it was already a two or three possession game. And it, it, he just basically helped ice it, it put the game away. Um, I don't think he made like a massive impact. He wasn't like a big difference maker. Um, I, I do I don't think know. though that like one of the things that's important to consider here, just again, Harkening back to the comments I made about you know, why I thought that Reed, Clark, and Jones would do well together this year, it, it can't be undersold the fact that you know he did attract offensive line attention that very easily could have freed up some things for Jones. That does bear saying. Not to say that Frank Clark has been the absolute stud that you know. Like really, the issue with Frank Clark is not his production necessarily, because his production level is okay. The problem is, is the fact that he is certainly, especially this year, he's the highest paid or highest cap hit of any defensive player in the league. Oh, okay. Yeah, I and not know how that. many sacks does he have? One that was brought back because of a penalty. That's the only one I can think of. Yeah, none is the answer. By the, the way, 
By the way, did you see when I, I can't remember who got the sack? I think it might have been Ben Neiman of all people. I can't remember who got the sack on Sunday. The Chiefs, and listen, it's a sponsorship thing. They um they tweeted, oh, uh, thanks to Ben Neiman, you get a, a, a buy one, get one Big Mac, uh, which, hey, look, uh, obesity, right? You go get two Big Macs for yourself. Um, dude, the responses just blew up in their faces. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember this, when the uh, Chiefs lost to the Titans in the playoffs, the, the, the Mariota Mario one. The game. Yeah, that right one. Freaking touchdown <laughs> to himself, that one. Um, the I next remember. day... The Chiefs um, announced, hey, uh, because so-and-so got a sack, you get buy one, get one Big Macs. Dude, their reply, they got destroyed in the responses. And um, Sucks when you're sponsorly obligated to tweet Yeah, these I know. And then, <laughs> it, like, Bleacher Report actually sent a notification on that kind of thing. It's like, wow, that, that's how big of a story. I don't know if you noticed this, but when the Chiefs have – because they're – Okay, their stadium is GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium, which some people are blaming. People are blaming the season on GEHA, which is, you know, there's a lot of blame going around. People are blaming the season on like Patrick Mahomes' commercials. Like there's a lot of blame I mean, going around. Don't um, get me wrong. I think that that just, again, it all goes to show that we're all kind of at a loss for yeah, why we're, we're angry. things are as bad as they are. Well, we're um, definitely frustrated about it because this is a team that, again, talent wise, should be in the discussion for Super Bowl berths, at oh, least maybe sure. not necessarily a win, but certainly like, yeah, they're one of the teams that, again, coming into the year, the odds on favorite to win the damn thing. Um, and certainly one that you figure is going to be within the top four. Uh, and here we are distinctly not that. Yeah. Well, well, well here was, and I lost track of what I was going to say. Um, something about, oh, the, the sponsorship. Oh, yeah, yeah, with GHA. Oh, yeah. yeah, the sponsorship. Um, no, I, I remember they posted something on Facebook. And I, I don't know, I don't know how you do this. I don't know how to do this with my page, but I guess you can turn off the comments. I know you can turn off responses on Twitter. That's a fairly new feature, but I mean, there's, there's all sorts of things. Uh, I know we're getting off topic. Here's one thing I do want to talk about. And I know this is kind of a transition to off the field issues because we haven't talked about coaching too much here with, with Andy Reed. Um, here's the most frustrating part to me. And it's not something a lot of people are talking about this week. Like losing 27 to three without Derrick Henry's contributions. That's frustrating enough. This is actually what bothered me the most. And I think this was very, very, very telling. Do you remember when the Chiefs were setting up for a field goal and burned a timeout to do so? Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, Tommy Townsend comes out to, I mean, they're lining up to punt. This is like, it's, it's, it's protocol, right? Field goal is too right. damn long. Uh, so, Hey, punt punter goes out there. And so do all the blockers, long snappers, the people needed for that. All of a sudden I and Eagles freaking out saying, Oh, they're, they're changing to a field goal formation. And I'm th- looking at my screen. Like what is going on? Townsend is running up to his position as a holder. Now he's confused as hell. I don't think Harrison Butker knew what was going on. Andy Reid burns a timeout to do that. Oh, and by the way, he missed the field goal. So you did all of that just to miss a field goal. Charles Goldman, uh, who uh, uh, he's a good friend of mine. He's uh, been on uh, my podcast and live streams a few times. He goes, man, burning a timeout just to do all this is really something. Um, Mm -hmm. Here's the point I'm trying to get at. Andy Reid, his coaching abilities have been different. Listen, 
you you remember me the last time we lost to the Titans. I was very critical of Andy Reid. And I said, look, if you don't make it to a championship, you got to fire the guy because you have all this talent. And this guy might be the reason why you don't make it to the big game. Well, sure enough, they made it and they won. Awesome. But the criticism for Andy Reid still never went away, even though he finally got what he's been trying to do for so long. So many people told him he couldn't do it. And now he had an opportunity to do it in back-to-back games. Um, ever since the Chiefs won the AFC Championship game against the Bills, this the, not only has the offense lacked exuberance, I mean, they just don't look like themselves. We kind of talked about this earlier. Things that this it, it, that doesn't make sense. How you have your core guys and still the the dominance somehow evaporated. Um, that's a big question mark. This team the play calling has been very suspect since the AFC championship loss. And look, you know where I'm getting at here. This is all happening ever since his son was involved in a car accident. That's been a thing. And this has been talked about recently. Nate Bucati, by the way, what, what, what local radio stations do you listen to? What shows do you listen to? Uh, I listen to a lot more 610 than 810, though I do okay. listen to Petro when I get a chance. I kind of like his stuff. Okay, yeah, I prefer eight. Our thing is, is that you know, I also like you know the drive on six ten, and so it's kind of a pain in the butt. There, the two best ones at the same time. It was perfect. It used to be when Seren was in the midday hour, so you could do you know Fesco in the morning, and then you bounce to Seren, and then you bounce to the drive. Like you know, if you were sitting there listening to work, perfect setup, and then they screwed it up. So yeah. Well, Petro would certainly. If he was in his normal slot, he would dominate the garbage at 610. And you know exactly what I'm referring to um, during that hour. But here's the thing. Uh, I was listening to 810. I, I think their guests are better. And I think their commentary is better. Bucati, Nate Bucati, one of the co-hosts uh, on the morning at 810. He brought this up with Sam. I think it's Mellinger. Is that how you say Mellinger. it? Mellinger. Okay. Oh, Mellinger. Okay. I apologize. Mellinger, Mellinger. The guy from the star. We all know. The, the guy from the star. Okay. Unless uh, they're from out of town, in which case he's a Kansas City Star sports columnist. You can read his stuff. It's usually he's pretty been there right. a very long time. Uh, but nonetheless, um, Nate Bucati was very, very he danced around Britt Reed. He goes, I can't remember word for word what he said, but he said the events leading up to the Super Bowl, and he said that two or three times, not saying specifically what we knew he's referring to. And I mean, like, let's be fair, this is an 810 host. I can understand why he'd want to dance around the subject of bringing up Andy Reid's kid. We saw how that worked for the asshole in the afternoon. Just saying. No, no, you are right. Yes. The the comment that now, was That guy made, was an asshole. Let's be clear. Yes, I stand by yeah. that. See, see, that. No, no, no. Actually, I do want to but say something. Because of that comment that was made a couple of years ago, and then because of the accident, the same person's, you know, doing victory laps. It's like, why? Um I think a lot of people are afraid that they'll be labeled like him. Um, it, it's just, uh, but, but nonetheless, uh, here's my thing. Um, Bucati brought it up and Mellinger, he actually mentioned the name Britt Reed and, and again, mentioned uh, his son. Like Bucati's question was, is it fair to question that? whether or not that's a distraction and Mellinger said, yeah, yeah, it is. And Mellinger was the one who was willing to say Brit Reed. Um, I, Zach, do you listen to um, Michael Lombardi's podcast? No. 
Okay. I read, Michael, occasionally he'll have pieces in The Athletic that I read, but I don't listen to his podcast. Okay. He is a former NFL exec. Uh, he was the general manager of the Browns. He was an assistant for the Patriots. He's done a few other things here and there. He's been a scout for a while too. That was in his early years. But uh, this is a he guy. Does like some draft commentary and stuff. That's usually yes, what I. He has doing. like a, and I can't remember the name of his podcast. It's called the GM something along those lines. Anyway, Michael Lombardi has a podcast, and on his podcast, he said that the car accident involving Andy Reid's son is causing a residual effect on the team because he even said it himself ever since February 4th, which is when the accident happened ever since that we've had the Super Bowl and this season, the team is not themselves. They're really not. Let me actually give you this number. Uh, And Patrick Mahomes is 53 first starts. Obviously that dates back to week 17 of the 2017 season when he made his debut against the Broncos all the way through the AFC championship game. I'm obviously including the playoffs. Obviously I'm excluding the games where uh, Mahomes was out with a knee injury and uh, week 17 of last year when the Chiefs started all 22 backups. Um, In Patrick's first 53 starts, the Chiefs lost nine times. Their worst loss was by eight points. Since then, the Chiefs have lost five times and have been blown out in three of them. That includes the Super Bowl. Look, that's no accident here. And this is what Michael Lombardi was saying, that there's that residual effect. And and I'll get into this in a moment. But uh, so we've had Bucati and Mellinger. They they brought it up. Michael Lombardi. This guy is a former NFL exec, a former NFL executive commenting on this. He's not talking about this because he's bored. This is a guy who probably knows a few things when it comes to off-the-field distractions. This is a former NFL general manager we're talking about now. Soran Petro, on a 10 uh, Tuesday afternoon, was talking to Tim Grunhardt, who was the newest member of the Chiefs Hall of Fame. I don't know if he's officially been inducted, but you, you get the idea. Uh, I know the bust is out there. I don't know if they've officially unveiled it, but I definitely saw it. Oh, well. There you it was go. definitely in that Chiefs Hall of Honor or whatever at Arrowhead when I was there a few weeks back. It's called GEHA Field at Arrowhead. Shut up. Okay. <laughs> Same um, way that but... they, you know, supposedly it's the Willis Tower in Chicago. Fuck you, it's the Sears Tower. <laughs> it's always going to be Arrowhead, regardless of what they say at it. You know, same way that it's Mile High, not, you know, Empower or Invesco or Sports Authority or whatever the hell else they call it. Uh, back on topic. Yeah. Um Petro did bring, and I did not hear the beginning of this, but I'm hearing Tim Gronhardt's voice, and I hear, yes, this is a distraction because if you love your kid, sure. And I'm thinking, what's he talking about? Is it Britt Reed? But it was actually Patrick Mahomes talking about Patrick Mahomes being a new father because people have cited that as a potential reason. Again, this is a former player who is a father. You and I are not kid, uh, fathers. We, we don't know anything nope. about that stuff. And I know you and I did say, yeah, you know, come game time in the Super Bowl, Andy Reid will be into it. But no, he he wasn't. And look, that's maybe us not being parents, maybe not understanding that part of it. But in terms I don't know of if Andy was totally, I mean, like, still though, looking at the Super Bowl, it's not like, yeah, I mean, watching that game, it wasn't like the offensive game plan was complete crap. It was that it was blown to crap because the offensive line was crap. Or at that point, just injured is a better way. Okay, see, here's uncharacteristically receivers are dropping balls left and right. Okay, but here's the problem. No, you make a valid point. Yes, the offensive line was banged up, but Jason Anderson of A10, he actually made a good point. He said, look, 
the Tennessee Titans this past week were not at full strength. And not only that, they lost players during the, it seemed like every other drive, they had to deal with an injury. And then Derrick Henry, their best player hardly did anything and they still routed the chiefs. So here's a team that dealt with injuries and still blew out who was the best team the past three years. Meanwhile, we're talking about, Hey, the chiefs did, they were banged up in the Super Bowl, and people are using that as part of the reason. I do disagree. Like, listen, Andy Reid was not in the right state of mind. The play calls were horrendous. Like that, the play calling was not an issue all year, in my opinion, until the Super Bowl, and even now this season. Um, that's just my opinion. You don't agree with that? I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I have another alternative to put forward. So, recognizing that Andy's not necessarily you know, feeling a hundred percent. Let's not forget that he also had an assistant, you know, an offensive coordinator who uncharacteristically had been passed over for a lot of jobs. Uh, primary criticism being that they weren't totally sure how much was Andy Reid, how much was Eric Bieniemy. It could also stand to reason. And I want to be very clear here that I have zero inside information. This is entirely me spitballing. Um, but is it out of the realm of possibility that he turned over play calling duties to be enemy? Okay. I, I, I have something to say about that and, and no, it's not, but I would actually think that would be a better question. If you ask this way sooner, because I've always asked this when they show Eric B on the sidelines, when the offense is on the field in between downs, he, he has his play sheet over his mouth. Dude, he's saying a lot of things. For someone who's supposedly not the play caller, he's talking a lot. Uh, but Andy Reid has still been tabbed as the play caller. You make a good point. But here's the thing. It's like Andy's the pilot of this whole ship, right? Like he's the head coach. That's his title. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim Grunhardt did say that teams will not admit it. No one will ever admit it. But it's a real thing. And he did say... This whole Brit Reed incident is a distraction. Someone told me this on Twitter. It's like, look, Andy Reed has to deal with the fact that his son could face some serious jail time. And by the way, this should not be a sensitive subject to discuss. Like Brit Reed is okay. All right. I've seen his wife on Instagram. She's posting photo like he, the family, and by all means, I'm not criticizing them. The family's enjoying life. They were just out, you know, at some farm, you know, Typical things you do during the fall season, right? He's he's out there enjoying life. Um, and sure, maybe enjoy it as much as you can because he does have an uncertain future. I get that. Um, but my whole thing is people don't want this to be discussed. And Saran Petro made a great point. Yes, someone's personal life needs to stay personal, but once you feel like it could be impacting your professional level, something's got to give, man. I mean, listen, we've all had bad days at home or whatnot, and we go to work and maybe we're just not ourselves at work. We don't do the best job we can do. That's human nature. That's okay. Um, but if it's, conti- I mean, listen, I know a lot of people are comparing, you know, Andy Reid dealt with worse than this. He, he, he lost his son. Yes. But with death, it's just, it happened you gradually learn to accept it and move, move on from it. Like what happened has happened. This whole Brett Reed thing is not over. Like this is still, his court date is in April. We're, we're still, Andy Reed's still wondering what's going to happen with his son. So my point is, and Tim Garnhart, a lot of people have said this, 
And these are former players, former execs. And you've got people in the media who talk to so many people on, on a daily basis, former coaches, former players, um, and maybe their opinions form because of this. Here's my whole point. And this is not the sole reason. I want to be clear. We're not saying this. But that has to be impacting Andy Reid. And listen, that's not fair to the entire team when you've got the potential and you're doing so poorly right now. And ever since that accident, this team looks different. This is not a massive coincidence. Um, I just feel like My if question Andy... is just like, is it correlation or causation? You know? Well, here's Recognizing the thing. That, yeah, those are definitely different things. Like, I just, I, I and I don't know. Obviously, like, yeah, I can't tell you exactly how I would react in that sort of a situation if yeah, I was sure. in Andy Reid's shoes. Because, well, let's be honest. I, I you have never been in Andy Reid's shoes. Britt Reid is older than me, man. Like, come on. <laughs> There's plenty of you know, life differences between the, you know, the three of us there. I just don't understand there. Like, you know, recognizing, you know, to your point about, you know, how you know, with, with his other son who passed, passed away, you know, that, you know, yes, that's the surety of it. And you kind of move forward by the same token. If there's, you know, you're not going to know until April where things land, you know, do you not put it in its little box there for a minute and deal with it when it comes up? Well, it, it's just going to be in the back of your mind, especially because of, this is such a fair. public thing. Uh, I mean, listen, God forbid, if we're ever dealing with something like that, I mean, if someone in my family had a very uncertain future, I'd be thinking about that every day, every hour, every minute, every second. It's just it's just impossible to to really let go of. Um, but but this is my point. If that's really impacting him, no one's blaming him for that. that. Every single person would probably feel the same way. But if that's really holding the team back, you either need to resign or say, look, I need to step away for, excuse me, I need to step away until this is over. And I don't think anyone's going to fault him for that. Like, that's a real thing, man. It, it, Tim Grunhart sure. said this, this is real. Um, it can impact you. Like, look at um, what's the name of the um, Olympic uh, the gymnastic who was dealing with mental health? Oh, Simone Biles. Yeah, Simone Biles. Like, she, and by the way, I don't understand how this got political, but it did. But regardless, um, she was dealing with some things, and she stepped away when she needed to, and then returned to competition when she felt like she was ready. And good on her, man, because if you are not at full strength when you really need to be for your team step away let your team handle everything and then come back when you're ready um i'm not listen i'm not on this fire andy reed thing i'm not i i think i truly do think his inability to coach right now at, at the way he can and should i think this his son is weighing in on it by the way michael lombardi said something else and he did ask this. He wasn't jumping to conclusions. He asked, you know, what could be going on behind that locker room? Could Andy Reid have lo a lot of people are speculating Andy Reid may have lost the locker room. And this is a very beloved guy. Like Le'Veon Bell might be the only person who has ever publicly said anything negative about Andy Reid. Anyone that's been associated with him, they've got nothing but great things to say about him. So I don't know if he's lost the locker room. Maybe people are questioning things. I don't know. But this is it's just confusing. The Chiefs are playing this poorly, but you've got the Britt Reed situation in the back of his mind, and maybe that's playing a factor. By the way, that's not the only off-the-field issue. 
Tim Grunhardt did cite, and so have a lot of people, Mahomes being a new father. Frank Clark and his uh, off-the-field legal issues. He just got charged for his second incident. Uh, Tyron Matthew and his contract negotiations. And he's, I guess, been attacking people on Twitter. And then he got accused of cussing at a um, at a Titans fan, according to yep. one reporter, that got a little ugly. Uh, the reporter did apologize for saying it, didn't have video of it, which in my opinion... Even if you saw it, you got to have video if you're going to accuse someone of that. But, you know, to continue add on to the list, Tyreek Hill, do you have Snapchat, Zach? Nope. Or, well, I, yes, but I don't really use it. Yeah, same here. So I guess someone messaged me this. I'm like, who cares? But a lot of people do. Tyreek Hill posted something. It's a picture of him celebrating um, a, a touchdown. And in, in the caption, he, I'm paraphrasing, he wrote, this might be your last chance at me. And people are people think that's in response to contract negotiations. I guess there's so much happening off the field. And then you add in the Mahomes family. It's like, there's a lot of off the field stuff going on. I truly cannot recall any time where even in the worst years the Chiefs have had where there's been this much off the field headlines being made. So one one potential explanation that I've got for this, and I don't know that it's necessarily, you know, I, I wouldn't even necessarily say it's contradictory to anything you've said there, but you mentioned in two cases contract negotiations being a thing. Um, yeah. And I, at least on the defensive side of the ball in particular, I think that, you know, and maybe I'm just a pettier man than these guys, you know, because I get that, you know, obviously if there's billions of dollars on the line, you know, you definitely you suit up, you put whatever personal feelings you've got behind you and you get the job done. But I know that, you know, if I were in the sort of position where you know, say that I'm Mike Dana, right. And, you know, I'm a defensive end who's busting his ass, you know, is leading the team in sacks right now. I'm pretty confident of that. I could be wrong. It wouldn't but, surprise me. But you look at, you know, you look across the locker room and there's Frank Clark, who's, you know, doing absolutely shit. And he's making, you know, multiple hundreds of times what you are, um, you know, because I don't think Dan is making, you know, he might be making a million bucks a year, maybe, um, you know, probably when you stack in performance incentives, he gets about there. Whereas Frank Clark, you know, has a hundred million guaranteed or not guaranteed. He's got a hundred million dollar contract. You know, he's already banked a bunch of it. And, you know, realistically, they're going to probably pay him you know, in the neighborhood of $20 million to go sit on his ass next year. By the way, you are right. He leads the team in sacks with three. Chris Jones has two. There you go. Um, you know, I, I guess I just struggled to see. And I, I think that, you know, when Sorensen was starting over Thornhill, there's some of that, too. Like, I, I could absolutely see where, you know, this whole – you know, studs and, you know, Jags approach, so to speak. I think Petro uses that, um, you know, where you've, we've got all of these guys that are absolutely, you know, top, top paid at their positions. And then a whole bunch of just guys across the board that are, you know, kind of league minimum types or, you know, new draft picks, what have you. It doesn't matter. I think that it would be hard for there not to be at least some layer of resentment there. Um, and, you know, maybe you're just, you know, not totally locked in the way that, you know, you could be because, you know, when the leader of your team and like it or not, you know, I'm not pretending that Frank Clark's leader of the defense. He's not Tyron Matthew is Chris Jones is next. Anthony Hitchens is after that. And, you know, maybe fourth or fifth on the leadership list is Frank Clark, but on the payment chart, he's tops. That's the rules. 
or well, that's not the rules, but that's just how it is right now. And I just can't help but wonder if there's a layer of resentment that comes off of that. I, I don't know. Um, we've never listen. This is the, the the contract negotiation. Like, isn't that a good problem to have? Like, we like ten years ago, we didn't have so many players who were the best or the top five at their positions. And now we have so many guys. It is impossible to keep everybody right. And look, I was going to say this earlier. Um, look at the Patriots. Okay. They've had so much turnover, but who did they have for the entire time during their success? They had Tom Brady. So mm-hmm. as long as you have that quarterback, it doesn't matter who he's throwing to, whether it's Tim Brown, whether it's Gronkowski, whether it's Amendola, Edelman, he'll find a way. And I think Patrick Mahomes, during his time in Kansas City, he'll find a way to get the ball to whoever. Because even in game, like his NFL debut, dude, he balled out with Albert Wilson. And there were some starters on that Broncos defense that stayed around for a majority of that game. I know a lot of backups came in and played on both sides. But, uh, you know, he's had big games with Demarcus Robinson, McCole Hardman, Byron Pringle. Like, this guy knows how to distribute the football and have big games with other people. Um, so... Why is there such a focus on paying these guys so much money? Like, I mean, I'm looking at it right now on overthecap.com. Uh, holy. And by the way, I did not realize it was this much. Frank Clark's yeah, making Frank only Clark's almost 26 million. Tyron Matthews making almost 20 million. And I love Matthew. And I know we talked about this, but for his production right this moment, that's not worth 20 million. Tyree not, Kill? With him, you're not paying for the production. Like The reason that I deliberately characterize Frank Clark's contract as a problem because of the production is because that's kind of what he's there for. Yeah, Tyron Matthew is there, yes, for production, but also to set the tone of your defense. He's a now, leader. He's, he's the leader, but by the same token – a fair criticism exists of like, okay, well, you're the leader of the defense and this is what it looks like. Like, what are you doing, bud? Yeah. And that's uh, not me trying to say that Matthew's not a solid leader, but, you know, I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate for those who would, you know, say that his contract isn't one worth paying. I don't agree with them. I think that he needs to be resigned and we keep him rolling. But, you know, always good to play a little devil's advocate. Look, to circle back on this whole off-the-field distraction, like, yeah, the contract negotiations, it, it it's playing a role. You, you're making some valid points here. Um, but by the way... Uh, but the same the- token of that, though, like, if contract negotiations are your problem, right? You know, if you're Tyreek Hill and you want a new deal and you're cranky about that, what do you do? You go out and you ball out. You don't go out and drop the freaking football or let it bounce off your hands into the defender's yeah, hands. Done like, it three times. Yeah, like that's my point. Is yeah. And by the way, it almost fall out. That's how you handle your business. It almost happened for a fourth time too this week, but it tipped out of bounds. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Look, uh, this whole thing, um, all these off the field issues. And by the way, I'm seeing people respond on Twitter. They're like, "Oh, so Britt Reed is the reason." why Patrick Mahomes is throwing so many interceptions. Britt Reed is the reason why um, Tyreek Hill's passes are, are, are getting tipped. No, that's not how this works. These are distractions. Um, something can happen in a locker room that maybe we don't hear about anytime soon, or maybe we never learn about. I, I thought about this a lot lately. My whole point is this. You have 
former players and you have an, a former NFL executive. Okay. These, like when it comes to, listen, you and I can talk about football X's and O's, that kind of thing. Even though we don't know anything about it in full detail, we have a fairly good understanding of that stuff, right? Here's what you and I don't know anything about. And this is why I'm leaning on so many of the people who have commented on this. We don't know what locker room camaraderie really means. We don't know what a distraction really means for a pro football team or any sports team. Uh, here, by the way, one of the reason I, reasons I love MMA fighters, they're very honest. Um, they will tell you if they are not themselves sometimes. And if maybe that played a role in their losses, um, Tim Gronhardt said it, the chiefs are not going to admit to any of these distractions. They're not. And rightfully no, like, listen, it's it's not the NFL way. Listen, is Andy, we're going to be like, yeah, uh, you know what, what my son's dealing with. That's been, a, uh, it's bothering me. No, he's not going to say that. Um, Patrick's not going to say that the, the, the newborn baby is, is, you know, it's like, hey, Playing guess an what, guys? Like, I don't get enough sleep at night because I have this freaking kid and she doesn't sleep super good because guess what? That's kind of how babies are. I've yeah. never had <laughs> one, but I've heard enough stories to know that that's a pretty common threat. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, if that's a thing, like, guess what? Exactly who would fault him? Probably no. Keatsman, but he'd get barbecued for it the way well, he would deserve anyway. So, like, you know, whatever. Here's um, here's my know, point. You have, you have a, a former NFL exec. And you have former players who are speaking up, saying something. Something's not right with the Chiefs right now. That's all I'm getting at. And yeah. I think so many people have been afraid to bring that subject up because of the guy you mentioned. People will be afraid to be labeled as him. But listen, some people are saying, someone messaged me. They go, oh, Keatsman's right. No, he was never right. No. He compared. There's just a difference between asking a question and being an asshole. Well, here's the thing. He compared the Tyreek Hill child abuse allegation to Andy Reid's personal life. Like, that's still wrong. Like, the, 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 the two had nothing to do with each other. Right. With that it said. Way too much of a stretch. Yeah. W- with that said, something's up behind closed doors. That's all I'm going to say. We, we've t- touched on this topic a lot. I do want to touch on the Mahomes family. But before we do that, is there anything you kind of want to add on before we close the subject there? I know we said a lot about this. The thing about all of this that you know you you hit on there for a second that I wanted to go back to is you, know, you mentioned with the MMA guys that you know they all you know they're a little bit more open book. That is one of the things that I do find just kind of silly about the NFL in a lot of ways, where like you know you have your press conferences and stuff, and it's all the same. Like you know, I guarantee you, I mean I don't know, maybe I, I've never done this. You may have actually. Yeah, with the way that those quotes work, coming off of a press conference. How often don't you have the main body of the of the article already written up and you know they're going to give you something that kind of fits loosely into that? Yeah. No, it, it, Charlie Weiss even said this. He, it, well, it's probably because KU gets blown out a lot of their games. But the media, and I did this when I was covering KU football, I'm writing my damn story during the fourth quarter. I take my laptop, just get a few quotes. I put a short version online, and then I expand on that later. So, yeah. That is kind of how journalism works. You have to be ready in that ma- matter. But I guess like the, the point there that I'm trying to make here is that, you know, they all are going to use the same kind of standard packaged coach speak bullshit, right? Yeah. Like name the last time Andy Reid actually told you what he was concerned about with his team or the opponent. That'd be never. No. At least. You know, and I've been, I know times ours and all, but he doesn't really give us that much. Come on. 
Um, you know, every now and again, you'll catch an athlete, give you just a little nugget that you're like, Hmm, wonder what's actually behind all of that. Cause they're never going to give you the whole thing. That's just their coach not to, but yeah, when it's stuff like this, like, you know, it, again, you to borrow the example of Mahomes, you know, if he were to come out there and say like, yeah, I need to do better. My bad y'all. I didn't really maybe get as much sleep as I needed to. Cause I've got a kid, uh, you know, Obviously, that's something you kind of need to work through. But at the same time, like, who's going to fault him there? I think that it's silly that these, you know, they're consistently coached to say nothing or nothing of substance when realistically, I think we'd all be a lot more understanding and a lot less expecting of perfection if they were a little more real. Yeah. And and look, I I think they want, listen, MMA is a different sport because. There is still a team sport aspect in MMA, but for the most part, like the big picture. Oh yeah. Because you have a coaching staff, you, you train with other fighters and those fighters try to help you get better people. When you practice with other fighters at your gym, whether they're fighting within the UFC or maybe they're a boxer, maybe they're fighting internationally. I mean, these are guys who still help you get better. Like there is that team aspect of it in MMA. I know you don't follow the sport as closely, I suppose um, that makes sense. I can get but, my head around that. But but for the most part, it's like if you criticize your own performance, it's not like you're throwing anyone else under the bus but yourself. So I get sure. in f- team sports, that can be why maybe these guys are so reserved. Because uh, And Patrick made a comment in the, after the Super Bowl about bad play all around. Some people were like, whoa, he's throwing the rest of his team under the bus. It's like he didn't he didn't say, Hey, Mike Rammers fucking sucks. Like he didn't say that. Um, but I, I, he was very careful with that. So there's the other thing I do want to touch on this, by the way, with Mahomes. And, and I know we've touched by the way, how are you on time? By the way, Zach? Oh, I'm square, dude. Okay. Yeah, as long as you need to. Yeah. Um, I do want to touch on this Mahomes family deal because this really <sighs> yeah. got a lot of attention after the uh, Sean Taylor thing. Let me go in order with um, some of these big stories. Mm-hmm. I think the one that really got a lot of attention um, when the Chiefs lost to the Houston Texans the year they won the Super Bowl, Brittany was on Twitter and she's very vocal during games. And I remember when the Chiefs lost, she goes, uh, don't try me. I will block like she's she's tough, angry lady all of a sudden. And then uh, when the Chiefs went to Foxborough, uh, she and Jackson were there. And by the way, full disclosure, these people, the Mahomes family, like Patrick would go and sit like, you know, fifth row at a Royals game, just like you and I could get tickets to. Um, And no one would bother him. That was back when he was backing up Alex Smith. Now, you know, he can't do that. He can't sit front row at Allen Fieldhouse to watch his Mm -hmm. Texas Tech uh, Red Raiders. Um, he's in the suite. And he listen. He probably can't go to KU basketball games because they don't have that kind of luxury at KU sporting events or if, if, uh, basketball games. Um, but anyway, there, there is the spot where all of the, where all of like you know when Regal, Sadekis, all of the celebrities show up. There's a reason it's always in the same spot. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, uh, but that's not like a closed up area. Like any, you and I can still walk through there. Is what I'm saying. Uh, let me let me get through these events here. I'm going to try to go in chronological order off the top of my head here. I'll try to hit on as many of them as I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were in Boston or Foxborough, I should say. And I guess Boston's Brittany fun. and Jackson. Yeah, and I know um, they were not sitting down. 
and they were asked to sit down according to a lot of the people who were there. Brittany was claiming that they got harassed. Um, two very different stories were given there. So a lot of people were upset about that because she made people from Boston, you know, the typical mass holes, you know, that, that gets thrown out there. And people in Boston were upset. They're like, no, we didn't. We, we were not rude to her. And Brittany claimed something really weird. She said, um, security cameras saw us and they came and grabbed us. It's like, really? I see people get harassed often at sporting events and security cameras like don't spot all these things. How did they spot you of all people? Well, if so- security came and got them. I bet it was like, all right, hang on. You know, let's get y'all to the booth or wherever. Cause you know, they're clearly, you know, relationship with the players and whatnot. Like, yeah, there's, yeah, I guess there's a vested interest. Like if I was an opposing the yeah, ESA that, yeah, we're at Arrowhead and you know, you see Derek Carr's wife and kids during the Raiders game or something. And you see that they're up there and, you know, maybe they're making a little bit of a scene. Maybe they aren't, uh, but you move them because you don't want anybody to, you know, go off yeah. X factor on them or the guy who <laughs> clocked X factor, I guess is a better example. Red extreme, point. baby. Yeah. You, Red you know extreme, what I'm saying? Factor. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. You know, it's better to just be like, all right, you know what? Screw it. We'll move you. It's fine. You know, let's just make sure this doesn't become a story. Let me, uh, let me, let me get through all these events. Um, and then I'll let you weigh in. Mm-hmm. Um, because that was one incident. Uh, people were really upset because it seemed like Brittany lied about what happened. And, and listen, even if we never got the other side of the story, the, the story just didn't add up itself. Um, and the, uh, uh, 24 nothing uh deficit when the chiefs came back she's filming herself screaming and yelling have you seen these videos by the way when she does that yeah i've seen a handful of them <laughs> yeah so she she she's done she's doing that um and then uh in a lot of those cases i mean like you know i'm not going to fault a player's wife or i guess girlfriend you know, say whatever wife um you know for yelling and screaming and being rowdy at a game like you know they have every right to be there loud well, and rowdy just as much as you and I. Well, let me, I'll, I'll get to that in the end. Uh, Cause there is a point I want to get to here. A lot of people have touched on this. Um, she tweets a lot during games and she is constantly complaining about uh, how the refs are never in our favor and they're always against us and Duff Kleiman. And I know he's not liked among chiefs fans, but he's right when he says this, why is it that, Brittany is constantly complaining about the refs yet all these first of all the refs are just bad terror in general they're, they're never in favor of one team but ah. okay Brady sure um thank you but <laughs> but uh um, not in favor of one team it's just whichever one Brady's on that's all. let me let me get through this um Dove Kleiman said look nobody else is doing this no other player's wife or girlfriend or fiance is doing this um, during the Super Bowl, Randy was actually R- Randy uh, Mahomes, Patrick's mom. Uh, she actually tagged Giselle, Brady's wife, and was talking about how the, the game is rigged and the referees are bad. And listen, there were some questionable things in that game from an officiating standpoint, but that is by far mm-hmm. not the reason why the Chiefs lost that game. So for Randy to like tag Giselle, I mean, that's just completely immature. There's not, you're a mother. Like, what are you doing tagging someone else's family member trying to complain about all this? And then this is where things start to get interesting. Um, Look, Jackson has been doing all these TikTok videos 
uh, at games. Like the, he has to have his pregame TikTok dance because they get VIP um, treatment when they get to go on the field. Uh, mm-hmm. They get to talk to Patrick briefly uh, after warm up, warm ups and all. Um, he uh, he danced on Sean Taylor's number, and I don't think it was intentional. But holy cow, man, come on! Like you 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 see the number twenty one everywhere there. And listen, Washington they they did screw up the the way the tribute, but multiple things can still be true. Like you still should not have done that dance on his number. Uh, and then there was the incident where Jackson dumped water on the Ravens fan because God forbid you become the bigger man. You just ignore the guy and, and you leave. And by the way, let me just say something about Brittany um, because this goes back to what you said about her, you know, being excited and all. I get that. But why are you filming yourself doing this? Like why? I don't, I don't film myself reacting every single time. She, do you see her pregame pictures by the way? No, but by the same token, I'm also not an influencer or anything by that. Like, let's be real, dude. You know there's money there. Listen, there's I, I, I agree, but how much money? Listen, um, she's co-owner of the um, of the Women's Soccer League here. Mm-hmm. Somebody on Twitter, without tagging her, asked, how does she have that money? And she's responding to that saying, oh, I got it with my own bank account or my own money. It's like, first of all, this person's not tagging you. Like I mean, you're she looking actually build a reasonably successful business. That's you, you well, let that me up. get to that. Let me get to that. She, she's first of all, seeking criticism of her. Second of all, yes, you are right. She does have her. I know she promotes uh, sports apparel and so many things on her Instagram, mm-hmm. but why is she making so much money off of that? Because of her connection to Patrick. Like if let's be honest here, and there's nothing wrong with this. If she's not dating Patrick or Patrick's not this superstar, nobody cares about her products. And listen, again, there's nothing wrong with that. Look at the Trump family, okay? Everybody in and around that circle, they have, I mean, they're notable people now because of one guy in their family. Look at the Kardashian family. There there are a couple people in that family who they're famous and then their family members- That's literally their family business. Yes. And again, I'm not, listen, that's just the way things work in our society nowadays. I'm not faulting that. What I am faulting, if you want to be so defensive and say, oh, no, 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 this is my money. Yes, I, I'm sure it came from your bank account, but it's because of Patrick. And by the way, I, going to my point about sideline pregame photos, I don't know what she's wearing. She She's showing up to these games. She used to wear like a Chiefs 15 jersey every game. I don't know what she's wearing, but it looks like she's getting ready to go to like a Vegas nightclub every single time. I showed my friend, um, I have a friend who has absolutely zero interest in sports. And I told her the story and she goes, these people are looking for attention. They just are. And I go, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. And look, um, and I want to be careful. Tell me that's not social media's business model though. Like, well, here's the thing, though. When you're just there every single pregame doing hands on the hips and looking away, it's like, OK, are you there to support your future husband or are you there because you really, really, really need these pregame photos for Instagram? Because there's something to be said there, man. Like she's not there. I mean- I think yeah, like, yes is the answer to the question. Jackson has to have his TikTok videos. He cannot sure. not do it. Um, it's getting to the point where it's like, okay, this is 
I'm sure they love Patrick. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure they support him. But there, it's 50% support Patrick. It's 50% look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm here. Look what I'm wearing. Look at my dances. And mm-hmm. let me just say one more thing, because they've taken a lot of harassment that I don't agree with. The uh, physical shaming, the face shaming uh, on Britney, not cool. The homophobic comments about Jackson. And listen, I don't know what his sexuality is. He's never denied anything, but he's also never confirmed anything. I don't give a shit for any of that. But the homophobic comments, not cool in the least bit. But I think because of those comments and those harassments that they've received, I think they want to have all this social media clout and that's their way of responding to haters. My point is, I think they care way too fucking much about what everyone thinks of them. They want to respond by saying, look at me, I live the glorious life and you don't. I don't know what else to point it to because they keep making headlines. Like, People Magazine wrote about all three of them, Randy, Jackson, and Brittany, on the same day, um, the week when the whole Sean Taylor thing happened. It's like, okay, we get it. You're Patrick's family. You you make six figures from Instagram and TikTok. You you live this glorious life. Like we get it. What what do you what else do you want to do to say here I am? Like by, by the way, I know you haven't seen the picture of Brittany. Let me show you. I know our audience cannot see it. If you have Instagram, go look. Um, dude, uh, look at this picture. That's her outfit for the Tennessee game. Uh, like like listen. I'm one of those people like wear whatever you want, but can, can we also be honest? If you're injecting yourselves into the limelight, does this not scream attention to you? No, I totally see where you're coming from. I guess like with all of this, my, I think maybe my biggest problem is that like, I just, so yeah. All right. Jackson's going to do his TikTok dances and she's going to do her thing. And that's, you know, I guess I, I, I don't agree with you. Obviously, like Jackson dumped the water. That's a shitty move. You don't do that. Like Bush League. The Sean Taylor thing, you know, I agree. You shouldn't have been dancing on the number by the same token. They shouldn't have coned off or fenced off the part where the number was and demarcated that as the VIP area. That's bullshit on the part of the Washington football team. Let me just say and one quick thing. I also thing. wouldn't be shocked for a second if Jackson's ass was absolutely clueless of that, like I will never substitute malice where ignorance will do because nine times out of 10 ignorance is the answer. Let's be honest. Let me say a quick thing about the number 21 thing. Uh, I didn't mention this. So I think maybe this is a little bit overdoing it, but they really wanted to put the number 21 on the 21 yard line, which is creative. Okay. But here's the problem. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot put it where the team is standing because then it's going to be covered. And then the VIP, like you cannot put the VIP in the end zone because the assistant coaches are there. The players are there. They spread out when they do their warmups. Um, I don't think people realize that I I've been to a lot of pregame when I've covered the yeah. chiefs and the Jayhawks. So I'm aware of these kinds of things um, that that section, like it, there was no choice. And I think that's just maybe something they could have maybe it, like if they got a do over, they'd probably do a better job of it. Um, the Washington team. Well, here's that the is. other thing though. Like, you know, that whole thing was slapped together. Sean Taylor's own brother didn't know they were doing that until four days before the game. Again, multiple things like, like that's a Washington, Washington problem. Listen, that's Washington trying to be like, hey, let's look at Sean Taylor instead of these emails, bro. Uh, kind of what the, all that is kind of what I was saying with the distractions. 
multiple things can be wrong. Okay. Totally. Washington was wrong. And I think Jackson really should have been way more aware of, of, of his surroundings, but he wasn't. I'm also was, just not shocked by the fact that he was oblivious or clueless. Like I'm, I'm not either, to be honest. Uh, look, let me just say this. Um, and I want to be very careful. Um, I've seen things on social media and I am not, saying they did or didn't happen because i'm not around Brittany and, and, and jackson and all these people um there are a lot of things that are being said about them and you know someone did catch on camera the the water bottle incident and it just happened to be the fan who was bugging him um whatever these people are being accused well might of, have been trying to get a rise out of him yeah and, and that's probably yeah. why he did not file any lawsuit because he was probably drunk and having fun. He even celebrated the, the Gatorade dunk or water dunk, whatever. Um, listen, they were very quiet this week. Maybe it's because of the score of the game. The only complaint they had, uh, I guess, Kayla, who was tra- – I, I did not know. I thought they broke up. Oh, it's Travis Kelsey's girlfriend. Yeah. yeah, she complained about how they shouldn't replay uh, an injury like that, which, first of all, they, they've replayed way worse things before. That was not that gruesome of an injury. Topic for another time. That's all they said. And I, I don't have an issue with that commentary. Brittany retweeted it. That's it. That, that was like the craziest thing she said, which is far from crazy in my opinion. Um, but look, man, I don't know if somebody said something to them this past week. All three of them were very quiet. Jackson got his TikTok in. I did notice that. Um, I did see a video recently. I guess they're at a restaurant. Jackson is doing his TikTok at the restaurant. Brittany comes up to the camera and is shaking her booty right up to the camera. And again, look, how much of this is look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me like listen there are a lot of young 24 year olds 20 year olds whatever who are related or married dating a famous person i don't see anyone else doing this zach that that's all i'm getting at it's like look you already have one of the most glorious lives you make money off instagram and tiktok just be humble a bit but that's the problem like like, don't be wrong like i do i personally understand you know, wanting to do all of that and just, you know, all of the attention that comes with the social media. Not really. Like, let's be honest. When I'm ranting out on Twitter during a Chiefs game, it is entirely because I know there's a handful of people out there who are going to agree with me. And, you know, it's always interesting to get people's thoughts. Do I really care? No. That's just like the one cathartic place where I just say shit. Um, so, you know, that's my personal relationship with it. I get, though, that for other people, like, that's, you know, I mean, especially, like, the whole Instagram thing, which I've, you know, I have one, but I don't use it. Um, Like, you know, I feel like a lot of the whole business model or premise of Instagram is, hey, hey, look at me and look at all these cool things I'm doing. Look how glorious a life I live. Um, Like, that's kind of built into it. TikTok, I feel like there's a level of that to a point. And also just a level of ridiculous, like, I don't really, that that's one where I will openly admit that that is the social platform where I am a little old man in that I don't get it. Like, I understand what it is. I liked Vine when it was a thing, but like, I don't Vine was pretty cool. TikTok is what it is. Like, it's fine. I recognize that it is the thing that it is. I just don't care. She was, and I guess maybe that's where my whole thing with all of this kind of comes down. And it's like, I, I really just kind of don't care. Like, I, I think that, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if you if you ran through, you know, iconic players in years past, 
there's probably a handful of wives and girlfriends who are absolute pieces of work. I don't know if these people are or not. I genuinely have no clue. Do they do things the way I would do them? Nope, definitely not. But I mean, by the same token, like, you know, you do you, you know, like if, if you're going to go out and do those things, all right, be ready for the smoke that comes with it. I, like, I will, ad- I, don't I will admit, uh, you know, listen, if you don't like it, unfollow them. Now I'll admit I did follow yeah. them just to see if they would say anything this week. I'm going to unfollow them because they are pretty crazy with their, with their social media. But here's the one thing, like Brittany got criticized for this and she did delete this. Her stepfather um, had a heart attack at the stadium. And when they rushed him to the hospital, um, if you remember, this is the game Patrick skipped a press conference due to a family emergency. But Brittany posted a picture at the hospital. It's like the framing is way too perfect. You can see nurses in the background working, um, trying to save someone's life. And then you can see like the, 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 her Jersey. And it's, it's like, and, and I know Chrissy Teigen got criticized for something similar when she posted a picture of herself crying um, after a uh, miscarriage. It's like, during a very sensitive moment like that, why are you posting? Listen, I watched my mom. I, I, I saw five paramedics surround her and she got taken out on a stretcher to the ambulance. The last thing on my mind was, oh my God, let me get a picture and then ask for prayers on social media. First off, my mom would kill me <laughs> if I did yep. that. Um, but it's like, why are you taking a picture of that moment? Is it because you want it for yourself or do you really need that on Instagram? Again, it's deleted. It's an addiction, bro. It really is. And it's designed that way. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm sure that all of the Facebook and Instagram, you know, types, you know, if they were to happen to listen to this podcast, might be a little upset by what I said there. But no, it's designed to be addictive. That's the whole point. That's the damn business model. Let me say something. You're not wrong. What do we do on social media? Okay. If something nice happens, if we get a job or if we get engaged or have a kid, Mm -hmm. we show it. That's a form of bragging and, and celebrating, okay? But I also sure. think there's also a level to it, and I just feel like the Mahomes family, they've broken that scale. Um, and I think to me, it's like, again, I don't have an issue with it. You can unfollow them, right? And like I said, I, I did follow them just to see what they're saying uh, now, mm-hmm. which is almost nothing. Um, but the issue where I have a problem with it is even if you unfollow them, they're going to make headlines. And it's like, okay, you're doing it because you know you're Patrick's family and you're going to, you know it's going to get attention. So you have to do it. It's it, That's all I'm saying. That, that, that's my last word on it. If you want any yeah. last word on it, I'll give it to you and we'll move on. I, I just, you know, don't be wrong. I If I were Patrick, I'd probably be annoyed just being like, really? Y'all? Like, yeah, I now have to answer questions about, you know, you dumping a water bottle on a fan. Like, what the fuck, bro? That would be my <laughs> yeah. reaction you know, brother to brother where it's like, dude, you're on payroll. Let's not pretend like they're not Yeah, like, let's be real here. Yeah. You're on payroll. You're living in my house. If you could maybe not make an ass of yourself, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That'd be my approach. Now, by the same token, if that's not Patrick's, whatever, it's fine. Like the thing that I just, you know, get, I just think it's silly that it's a story at all. That's really where I come down. It's like, all right. Yep. A couple of you know, twenty some odd you know, year old people are making asses of themselves on social media. Shocker. Uh, Robert Rimson did tweet. Um, you know, if you're gonna have to defend them, 
constantly, it's going to get old quickly. So hopefully yeah. everyone's learned their lesson. All I'm saying is that there's a reason that the memes of him and Aaron Rodgers talking and Aaron Rodgers saying, bro, I oh, legit man. just like distanced myself from my family. Okay. There's a reason that's funny. It is. It's also <laughs> it's, pretty harsh. Well, um, I mean, like, let's be real, you know, not to explain a joke. There's a lot of layers to that. Yeah, like, it's yeah, totally yeah. harsh. And, like, it's poking fun at the fact that Aaron Rodgers just straight excommunicated his people. Um, and it's yeah. also poking fun at the fact that Mahomes' people, like, yo, I'm sure there's moments where he's like, God damn, are you fucking serious? You guys come on. Um, you know, one of those things. I think it's kind of a silly thing that it exists at all, though. Like, yeah, that, yeah, that those guys get the attention they get. I'm sure that if you went and followed, you know, a handful of other players' wives, they probably have some similarly silly things to say. But I don't know; could be wrong. I, Not, I mean, I don't care it, enough it, to it, test the hypothesis. That's for sure. Doesn't get talked about. Wants to, please do. Um, by the way, I want to touch on this uh, quickly. Tom Brady, he obviously got his 600th touchdown pass uh, on Sunday against the Bears. And Mike Evans almost fumbled it away for him. Yeah, not okay. like literally on the field, but he like gave the ball away. Um, so the, the fan did give the ball back. Uh, Tony Romo caught some heat because during on his commentary, he was joking about whether or not the the fan should uh negotiate a deal to get a date with Giselle. Um, <laughs> some people were writing headlines, they're like, Oh, Tony Romo wants Tom Brady to pimp Giselle. It's like, Okay, all right, I don't no. know, I don't know why Tony Romo would make that joke, but he did. Um, poor joke, but at the same time, like. Let's not make that a bigger story than it needs to be either. I think any of the self-referential media on media is just silly. Yeah. Um, but but anyway, uh, he spoke up and uh, he was actually on the Manning cast. Do you like the Manning cast, by the way, for Monday Night Football? I love that. Me too. That is a lot of like, fun. That is like like what I was saying earlier where you get to see players being a little bit more real. Yes. That's the stuff I like. You know, it's got, honestly, like Peyton and Eli are really kind of a perfect pair in this regard because Peyton has like the you know the super football nerdiness that nerds like me very much enjoy um and eli is the one who's like all right bro you're a nerd let's try to keep this a little bit accessible for the rest of the crew and it works perfect they crush that shit i love it well and then you've got guys like tom brady which i'll get to his comment in a moment um oh yeah the guests they bring in like i mean the first one i watched was actually when kelsey was on there and that was a blast well tom brady was himself like i mean when i was hearing him talk i've never heard i've never seen that side of him i'm like Dude, this is the kind of guy who I would like love to meet and get a beer with and just watch sports. Like, that's what's so cool about that Manning cast. In addition, like, listen, if you're a football Wait, so nerd like you and I, I need are, to go back and look at it, and I might not hate Brady as much. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but if you if you watch that, you know, if you're a football nerd, you can learn stuff there. And even if you just want to hear stories, you can. That that's it's there. That there's an audience for that too. Like, it's so cool how. What's well, the they stories that don't get told anywhere else? That's, that's yeah. Especially like, okay, here's one thing like it, Belichick. And I know I'm getting off topic here. When Belichick does a press conference, he doesn't give many answers, but when he does right. a one-on-one interview with a local radio station, he's a little more open in that kind of intimate setting. Like that's what that is. That's what the Manning cast is. And look, I guarantee you with um and i know nbc and nfl network don't have other channels like espn does but i guarantee you with streaming services they will find a way to copy that format and maybe try to do a little bit better um which is going to be very hard but that's a very unique broadcast i love i love the uh, college football broadcasts for the championship game um 
all those mega casts. Have you ever watched any of them? Mm-mm. We haven't had honestly. Any like I don't care enough about the college football landscape. Like oh, okay. especially when it's you know Alabama versus you know Clemson or Ohio State for like the fifth time in a row. I just struggle to give a shit. Well, on ESPN, they have so many different channels. Um, there's the channel for the game with the regular broadcasters. There's the channel for they're like assistant coaches who just gather together and they basically it's almost like you're watching film with them and they break it down so well. Then there's another broadcast where it's ESPN personalities and they're just talking and, and, and um, sharing stories about their broadcasting careers. If there's a former player who's on the set, he gives his uh, perspective on things and also talks about his career and his broadcasting career. Like it's so cool. Uh, that's what the Manning cast is like ESPN is trying to do more of that. And I love it. And I hope, I know they didn't, they don't do it for every game, which is unfortunate. Um, if they are doing it for next week's Chiefs I think game, the Mannings would get tired. That, they are doing it for next true. week's Monday night. Okay. Game, Here's the thing. I have to have the regular broadcast because for the graphics, they don't show the actual stats that the regular broadcast shows. I need that watching it live, but I will DVR it and watch it the next night because I want to hear what Peyton and Eli have to say because um, I really want to hear their commentary on some of the chief struggles. But anyway, uh, Brady was on there last night, and he talked about that 600th uh, football, how he got it, and he said that he negotiated a deal with the – I don't know if he negotiated or just – was willing to offer it Mm -hmm. he is giving up one bitcoin now i've recently gotten into cryptocurrency and it's actually kind of a fun thing it's like i don't want to call it a digital new age stock market it's kind of like that Um, it's a speculative currency just like a stock market would yeah yeah yeah. it's a lot like it's entirely speculative though like that's the part like that's where it's different than well it's air quotes here different from the stock market because like there's definitely part of the stock market that's that speculative too um but yeah it's just kind of a game that people play i think in some cases well brady said that he is giving one bitcoin to this fan now i know a lot of people are going to say oh just one bitcoin folks for those of you who are not into cryptocurrency one bitcoin as of right now and these things change uh frequently one Bitcoin is worth almost $63,000. Um, like me personally, I would have been like, no, you got to give me uh, tickets and uh, an autograph of some sort. This guy is getting. Which he also six... got. Oh, did he? I did not know that. Well, oh, there yeah, you go. He got like a Brady signed. Man, Brady's generous as Jerseys, hell. helmets, you know, Mike Evans signed jersey and cleats because let's be honest, Mike Evans is the reason they had to do this at all. That's true. Uh, You know, also season tickets for the next two years, like a thousand dollar, you know, team store gift card or something. There was a whole lot of like not a bad haul, especially when you throw evidently 63 grand worth of Bitcoin in there. That is okay. I feel like that is definitely overdoing it then. Um, Um, Well, this guy, like I would have said like general, like if you had, you know, said, all right, you know, in cash, what do you think that ball is worth? I guarantee you, if you ask for a hundred grand, you'd get it. That's all I'm saying. I'm I mean, not saying it's necessarily worth that. I'm saying if you asked for it, you'd probably get it. Considering one Bitcoin and all these other signed memorabilia, he got it. It's probably close to that. I don't know, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Neither here nor there. Let me just say this. Um, because I remember uh, there was, do you remember, remember Brett? Eibner from the Royals. He wasn't he wasn't around very long. No, nope, he, really. he he hit a home run a couple of years ago. He's not on the team anymore. Uh, it's okay. a, it was his first home run, and the fan who has the ball um 
he obviously, you know, he does it. Brett Eibner is not like some famous guy. So the last thing on your mind is, oh, this guy, I caught his first home run. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a guy from the Royals. I know his face, but I don't know his name. He is sent out to oh, go yeah, get the, the baseball. Guy. Yes. Mm-hmm. He has to go get the, uh, the baseball if the players want it. And Brett Eibner wanted it because it's his first home run. Um, the fan is like not giving it up. He actually has like a sad look on his face. At one point, the guy uh, goes in to like get the baseball and the guy, the, the, the fan like pulls his hand back like, no, I, I want something. I'm like, oh man, they're definitely negotiating right now. Um, but yeah, man, one Bitcoin, and I'm into, the, into this whole cryptocurrency thing. Somebody said this on, uh, in one of the news articles, that fan was at the right place at the right. If Tom Brady offered me one Bitcoin for that ball, uh, Tom, here's the ball, give me the Bitcoin. Um, that yeah. would have been uh, good enough for me. I mean, like in, you know, that's one of those things I think that, it, you know, it, it's cool that they took care of on that. Like, you know, class move on oh, Brady's yeah. part there. And you know that I like to hate on Brady as much as the next guy and more than a lot of them. Um, but you know, nothing but class on that front. And, you know, I also applaud the fan for not being a prick about it. Um, you know, I remember there was a few weeks back, um, you know, when Salvi hit his record, uh, you know, I think it was the 45th home run or something that, you know, tied the record or beat the record. I think it was 48th or 49th. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Something like that. You know, a lot of home runs, but the fan was being an absolute ass and wouldn't, you know, give the ball back. And I'm not oh, sure. I didn't ever know that. Did. Um, that was a story, you know, briefly while it happened. And like, you know, I get, you know, obviously as a fan, you know, I've caught a foul ball once it was, you know, I mean, it was Aaron Guile <laughs> that hit it. So like, you know, Aaron Guile. Yeah. There's throwback, right. He signed yeah. it too, which was really cool. But, like, yeah, let's be honest, that ball has value to me and really me only because, <laughs> um, you know, I was a little kid and I caught a foul ball. It was great. Um, you know, this sort of thing, like, when it's got value to the player, like, I, I think it's right as a fan to be like, yeah, I mean, like, you could, you know, g- give me something, like, just, you know, to make it so I'm not just left hanging here. But, like, let's be real, especially if it's a history-making ball like that, it's like, okay, no, y'all – you know, you insert player who did impressive feet here deserve this ball more than I do for being in the right place at the right time and happening to catch a ball. Right place at the right time. Yeah, that's uh, a lot of luck there. A lot of luck goes into that there sometimes. Um, okay, real quickly, I want to touch on this and then wrap up the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know who Jason Brown is. Yeah. The uh, head the, coach. The slapdick guy. Yeah, slapdick. Uh, he is... Um, uh, former uh, head coach at Isn't Independence that his whiskey Kansas. or something. Is that what he's got? Yes, he also has a whiskey. He has a whiskey and a cigar named Slap. His whiskey got pulled off the shelves um, because someone in Kansas, some whiskey person, took a picture and they're like, "Oh, this is an interesting name." And Jason got all upset about that. He's blaming it on a on like a social media person which i don't think he has one he keeps mentioning that the social media person was a black kid i don't know why he keeps mentioning that part but i guess the whoever ran that account it's jason he responded by saying i'm sure you've had worse in your mouth that person screenshot that put it out there and it got taken down quickly the whiskey's back online now but it's like through some website that no one's ever heard of but anyway um jason's a pretty brash guy and i love his realism and listen i think he's done so much great things with um junior college kids helping them transfer and get their life on the right track mm-hmm. i think jason's done a great job there and i hope he returns to coaching but 
Um, oh, he's not coaching anymore? Not right now. He's doing some like online coaching and he goes and visits high schools and colleges, but he's not like doing, he's not, he's not coaching coach. no team. No. Um, and you know what? There may be a reason for that. I don't know. Jason, uh, he DM'd me during a Chiefs game. He goes, you know, I once coached Dan Sorensen. I'm like, really? Where? What school? He goes, oh, his whole life. I'm like, okay, but what school? And he wouldn't give me like a name. I guess he knows the Sorensen family. I don't know. He wouldn't elaborate on that, which I thought was mm-hmm. weird. Um, and then I made a joke. You know, we talked I mean, about that. protecting their privacy. Like I do get that to a level. Okay. Based yeah, on yeah. some of the conversations we had, you know, earlier. Yes. Like I get wanting to, you know, try to keep a layer of, you know, because like, let's be honest, you know, fans do weird things. You know, there's a reason Mahomes had to move his house right after he bought it because KCTV5 screwed that up on his behalf and he had to buy yeah. a new one. That was that was uh, uh, Channel 9, but no, I, I know what you Whatever, mean, but you get my point. Yeah, yeah. KCTV5 uh, screwed up everything else. I yeah. tend to blame them. Um, Jason, I made a joke with Jason in the DMs. I said, well, tell uh, tell Dan Sorensen to tackle, please. And he didn't, he didn't say anything. He didn't get upset. Listen, Jason and I, I mean, we've gotten to know each other a little bit through podcasting and whatnot. We've, we've right. uh, ta- had conversations on Twitter and DMs. Um, he's followed me long enough to know that I criticize players and coaches like a lot of other fans. Um, you know, I, I like to think I know more than the average fan. I've talk- yeah. I, I talked to former players, coaches, scouts, whatnot. I mean, you've heard on this podcast. Um, I so like to think I've helped. I made a, uh, I made a comment about Dan Sorensen. Uh, and I think I, I was criticizing Spags because he made a comment saying, oh, uh, Dan's had some good snaps for us this season. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. That, that makes no sense. And so Jason comes after me and says, oh, you're killing me with uh, with your take on this kid. Um, and then he keeps saying uh, it's a bad take. Uh, and I'm like, no, it's really not. He's having a bad season. And he gets upset. And he it's almost like he's not letting me have my opinion. And by the way, it sounded like I tagged Jason and said, hey, Jason, your player sucks this year. That'd be a shitty right. thing to do. I'm just I'm just having my I'm just tweeting. And whoever wants to comment can comment. But it's like Jason's not happy with the opinion. And I can't have this opinion, which I've, I've never told people. Listen, I disagree with a lot of things he says. I don't tell him what he can and can't say. Um, and I know he would not like that. And even uh, if you did tell him that, like, you ain't going to listen to him. He's a grown-ass man. Yeah, Same exactly. You didn't listen to him, and you shouldn't. So it gets to the point where I'm like, look, and I said, Jason, I know you know him, and I know you coached him, but here are the stats. And I don't remember what the stats were. They were pretty damn terrible. Um, and w- as soon as I gave him the facts – he goes, oh, uh, you should be a coach. Obviously, being sarcastic, say, oh, you should be a coach. Uh, just be a fan and stay in your lane. And I took issue with that. It's like, I don't have to be a coach to recognize things. Um, and I know stay in your lane is like such a big mantra of his. But he's also hypocritical in this sense because I have heard him on his podcast criticize journalists and politicians. And I don't disagree with just criticizing those people. But last I checked, you have not been in their lane, so to say. So why are you criticizing them when you haven't done what they do? And he responds and goes, oh, uh, uh, first of all, he, he wanted me to prove it. He's like, oh, I'll wait. Like, dude, I listened to your podcast. I've heard you say this. And when I pointed that out, he goes, oh, I only do it for politicians who turn athletes. I go, no, 
Last I checked, Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, Kamala Harris, and Joe Biden are not former athletes. And don't get me wrong, I'm all for criticizing those people and every other politician as much as anyone else. But I mean, if they're former athletes, so am I, is all I'm saying. (laughs) I'm sure they played like Little League growing up or something, maybe. But you're you're, like you're you're getting caught in your own lie here. Um, And and I don't want to make this about myself. My whole point, and by the way, Jason got upset. A lot of people even like, not that I needed it, but came to my defense and they were like, dude, he's horrible. You don't need to be a coach to recognize this. He blocked me and a bunch of other people. And I, I was kind of bummed out because um, last comment on this in terms of be, between him and I, you know, I bought two bottles of his whiskey. I donated to his daughter's GoFundMe. Never donated to go, GoFundMe. Not really. <laughs> I, I've had other, listen, I'm not a big Better whiskey Better or worse guy. than proper 12 uh i'd say proper 12 is better <laughs> uh but anyway and listen i told him i said hey dude even if i don't like it i'll help plug the whiskey for you so i got two bottles of his whiskey i was gonna have him sign one of it keep it sealed but that's not happening um Can't i donate to his daughter's gofundme never have donated to a gofundme before uh what else did i do and listen jason's pl- pl- plugged my pocket without me even saying anything i never asked for it and he's done that and i have always appreciated that for him uh, from him um but you know what if he felt the need to be brash and rude and resort to name calling you know what man you know i'm not asking for a refund on all these stuff because he probably needs the money more than i do um but that just kind of sh- shows what kind of person you are like you can't have a logical disagreement on this kind of I've had logical disagreements with people about the pandemic and about politics. Um, have we not had multiple logical disagreements just in the last two hours? I feel uh, like we have. I, we, we haven't killed each other just yet. <laughs> um, well, no, I'm, I'm obviously Zoom kidding. I'm, yeah, Zoom helps. Yes. Uh, I'm obviously kidding. L- look. Sure. Um, I, and I get, and I said to him, I'm like, dude, I understand Dan's, you know, your guy, but mm-hmm. we got to be honest. He prides himself on being real and, 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 and telling the truth. It's like, now you're upset with the truth. By the way, what happened? Ever since that tweet, Dan Sorensen has been benched. He started zero games. And I, I, I someone on his podcast actually brought that up, one of his fans, because he has the live chat. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he actually stumbled on the question because I think he knew someone was trying to fact check him because he was so defensive. It's like, well, ever since you got all defensive and rude about it to me, You've been wrong because he was telling me, he goes, no, it's not the truth. That's your truth. Okay, buddy. Um, Sorensen got benched. See, and I'm, I, I, I don't love that. You know, when it's well, like, oh, your truth, it's like, no, that there are things that are the truth. Uh, well, here's the thing. He goes, okay, bro, you win. And it's like, no, I'm not trying to win. This is the problem with you. And by the way, somebody who is involved with Kansas athletics with smaller schools in, in, in the state told me, he goes, dude, that's no surprise he interacted with you like that. Um, this is someone who's in Kansas athletics, who's probably been around Jason. I'm not going to say his name. If anyone wants a screenshot, I will screenshot because I know Jason listen, and I know Jason's listening to this and probably will call me a liar for this. I will screenshot it and blur the name out and the picture just to prove this is not made up. Um, look, uh, you can talk about things. You can't, you don't have to be a former athlete or coach to criticize sports you don't have to be a former politician to criticize politicians you don't have to be an a former actor or a former director to say what a bad movie you just saw um this is a very flawed logic and i know a lot of athletes feel this way but it's like look you can by the way he jason mentioned oh tell me what a three technique is 
I know what a three technique defensive tackle is. They line up between the guard and the, and the center. I know what an A gap is, a B gap is all that stuff. I know for some people listening, this might be foreign language. And by the way, I don't know all of the terminology in football. Jason knows about that more than me. That's fine. I don't need to know that stuff to point out Dan Sorensen is a bad safety. Again, I get that's his guy, but he, he, his whole point was all of a sudden I've criticized other players, but because of this instance, I have to stay in my lane because I've never coached. Well, this is where the logic is flawed. And at some point I kind of have to stand up for myself. It's like, look, you don't have to have this experience to point this out. Zach, you've never played a snap of college or pro football and neither have I, um, to point the you don't, don't have to wrong. like we did joke about walking out in the Kansas football team at one point we chose obviously not to but <laughs> yeah um, there was one thing that you know was definitely bandied around in my friend group of like hmm I think we could make it <laughs> side note but, listen here's what I will say because I've been in media before people have always said oh the media knows nothing why do they criticize okay okay I said okay why don't you professional critics exactly why don't you be a writer for one day. By the way, people don't understand. They think you just write things on the newspaper. It's like, no, you really got to know your shit. And by the way, you got to meet deadlines and you got to make sure you have all this good grammar. I've people. I mean, people here's have, a question. Is that still the rule? Is what the rule? Yeah. Do you actually have to know your shit in today's world? Like, well, yeah. Like for a lot of like the clickbait farms like you don't really have to know your shit you just kind of have to spout up and fill you know space okay you have to know something at least because you can't just talk out of your ass and write things i know some writers are not good but here's my point people think that you know people radio hosts just show up at you know uh 5 and at six, six o'clock they just start shooting the shit yes yeah, that's fair. no not at all these no, people, you and I have done that before. We know the, the work oh, yeah. that goes into you that. And I, yeah, I don't yeah. know the work that goes into like you know the stuff that we all listen to, um, but I know how much work you put in just even to our podcast when we did that. that plenty. Oh yeah, I've actually had like someone uh, left like a negative review on iTunes when I finished the podcast when I w- was no longer doing the Chief Zone. They go, "Oh, you don't have time for us? Is it too much for you to press record and talk?" It's like, yes, because all I do is open my laptop, open up Audacity, and just press record and talk. That's all I do. Yeah. No research whatsoever. No research. Um, not trying to hassle me and DJ and figure out when the hell all three of us could be there on the God, same time. Right. Like, yeah. Yep. Just um, push the button and talk. Anyway, my point is, look, uh, there are people like Jason. Maybe they don't do it on social media directly to people, but they tell people, oh, no, just be fa-. Herm Edwards did this once. He's like, just be fans. It's like, no, Herm, I will be a fan and I will also speak up when I can point out things with my two eyes and with my fairly good knowledge of football. Um, I just, I just hate this whole thing that fans don't know football. Of course they do. Some may be better than others. Yeah. I mean, and don't get me wrong. Like, you know, I'm not going to pretend that like, you know, my opinion is going to be as, you know, accurate or correct. Like, you know, I would not be shocked for a second, you know, if a coach was like, well, all right, now here's the things that you, know, you, you, know, you say all these things, but here's, here's where you're a little off, little off base. You know, I, I recognize there is a tremendous gap in knowledge between them and me is I guess what I'm trying to say. And that's fine. Like, you know, if I were to say like, mm, you know, Patrick Holmes made the wrong read on this pass, you know, I, I don't know that at all. 
I don't know that for sure, but I, I barely know if it's even remotely close because you and I don't know what plays were called, things like that. Yeah, and so, yeah, yeah. You know, does that mean that you know, we're not entitled to say whatever we feel like? No. I think that it's, you know, I think it would be silly for us to say a lot of the things like, you know, pretending you know, if we know a thing and it's abundantly clear to everybody like the Sorensen sort of case, it's like, hmm, this guy just ain't quick enough to keep up. Yeah, that's that that just is reality. Love but, it. Love it. Yeah, there's nuance there that I, I recognize that, you know, Jason and many others have that we don't. And so oh, for sure. I just don't get why. Like, all right. So, yeah, say I am talking out of my ass and I'm saying something that I'm not you know, that isn't actually accurate because I don't know my shit. That's fine. That really probably shouldn't bother you, though, should it? Well, that's, that's the thing. And I do want to wrap up because we are going long and I got to edit this and all. But yeah, um, here, 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 here's my thing. I hate when people say, oh, I can do better. It's like, no, you can't stop. Um, the Broncos just had a game last year where uh, all of their quarterbacks were unavailable due to a COVID and a wide receiver started there and he did horrible. It's like, please don't say that. Uh, I also hate it when athletes criticize or fans criticize athletes for not playing through an injury. Like Chris Jones has gotten that criticism lately uh, in comparison to uh, Joe Tooney, who's been playing with a broken hand, I guess. Um, it's like, you it's should totally different though. Like, well, I mean, let me say this. played both positions, at least you know, obviously not at a professional level, but like, it is really different. You can get away with a little club over your hand and like the hand placement still is, uh, you know, it's not like you need the ability to grip to play offensive line. As a matter of fact, they tend to get mad at you for it. <laughs> here's what here's what fans, their you commentary that bothers me the most. MMA fighters, when they have to pull out of a fight because of an injury, I hear so many people go, oh, what a pussy. It's like, Really? You're going to say that to an MMA fighter of all people. Uh, I don't know, man. Um, okay. Keyboard right. warriors, man. They're funny. Yeah, they uh, did multiple occasions. I've had people who I have blocked, who I have come across face to face. They don't bring the same level of energy. Trust me when I say that. They just don't. Yeah, uh, of course not. Yeah, funny shit. It's just like uh, human nature or physics or something. All right, man. Uh, look, final thoughts here. Uh we're going to try to stay optimistic, but my gosh, it is, uh, it is a bit, um, it's, we're on edge here. Uh, look, I don't know what my score is going to be. I'll have it later for Arrowhead Addict, but I'm picking the Chiefs to win. It's got to be by at least two possessions. What do you say? 28-10. What's that? 25-17 if Barkley plays. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. All right, man. Hey, this is fun. Uh, we're going to do another podcast. I'm going to reach out to Joe because uh, I know you want to do a podcast yes! with him. I and, love um, doing podcasts with Joe Valerio. Yeah, and I know Melody uh, has asked as well because they're both educators. So I know we can do a fun podcast talking about that and talking about football as well. So See, like, uh, that's the sort of thing, just to not to go back on the soapbox for a second, but like, you know, I recognize that Joe's opinion and you know, perspective on offensive line is much more valuable than mine, and I love learning from it. That's the part that it's like, you know, I can say, you know, one thing or another and he'd be like, Zach, you're wrong. And that's perfect. But he's not a dickhead about it, too. Like some people. Not. Yeah, he's very oh, kind about it. Freaking man. It, it, listen, last thing, because I do got to wrap up on his podcast. He's like, look, fans have the right to, to watch games and form an opinion. He's right. He's absolutely yeah. right. And we they also don't... have the right to be dead fucking wrong. 
Yeah. Sometimes you're right. Sometimes you're wrong. That's all. And you know, you can have a conversation. It doesn't, you know, no one's winning on a conversation, yeah. but not everyone understands that. All right, man. No one like hey. wins or loses jobs on the conversation either. No. Like, no. you know, my opinion does not cost Dan Sorensen his position. Spags's opinion does. I gotta, I gotta finish this up, but Hey, I appreciate you uh, doing this with me. I know we went super long. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll keep fun. in touch obviously. And, uh, we'll do another podcast later on, uh, soon. And I'm sure we'll do another, uh, red Friday live stream, uh, later this year. I haven't picked a guest yet this week. I'll try to work on that soon, but, uh, real quickly, what's your, uh, you know what's your find... Twitter handle? Uh, it's just Z at Z S T E G E N G A. You can All catch right. me ranting during most chiefs games and occasionally during KU games too. There you have it. Go follow him on Twitter. I am going to wrap this up. Appreciate you guys downloading and listening to this podcast of Barscast. Until then, I'll talk to you guys later. Take care.